0: Not that that is the uh, message that we're going to look at today, but just listening to that song, what was your life like the day after you invited Jesus Christ into your life? Well, for one thing, I began to speak the name of Jesus, and it was... A name that tore down every stronghold and that brought healing and abundant life into a man who truly never deserved it. It was just a gift. That's all it was. It was just a gift. So for 42 years I've been speaking the name of Jesus. And, you know, that's one of the things God asks all of us to do, not to be ashamed of the gospel, as Paul wrote there in the first chapter of the book of Romans, but to simply be willing when given that opportunity to just speak the name of Jesus. It's who I am. It's who we are. I'm a man of the book. I live by the Bible. I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Because, you see, only then does Jesus and the Holy Spirit becomes the power that works in us. I'm afraid there are too many people in the church today that simply do not believe that. That do not believe that the power of God through His Holy Spirit works beyond anything that we can begin to imagine. And we need not fear We need not tremble in the face of opportunities and circumstances because that power works within us. Now, I want you to think do you have a power? Do you have a power working within you? That's the life of a believer. That's what Jesus left behind for all of us was that power. Now this morning, we're going to uh, look at the source of that phrase, the power that works within us. And it's going to be found over in Ephesians chapter 3. And I think for all of us who have Spoken the name of Jesus over a long period of time in many places and to many people. It still never ceases to amaze me. How wonderful that power can be. At times when you least expect it. And so Paul writing a prayer to the church of understanding. Praying that the church would understand this whole this whole thing about how God is working through His church and through His people and through His power and through His Word and all of those things that we desperately need, that we might come to a place that the Bible defines as the fullness of God. Boy, it's a struggle to get there, isn't it? Just want to be full of God in everything, and He wants to be full of everything that matters in our lives. That's the relationship that we have with Him. And so, as we look at this prayer, it, is, it begins in the 14th verse of the 3rd chapter of Ephesians. And it goes to the end of that chapter, which is verse 21. I'm going to start with verse 20. You know how I am. Sometimes I like to start at the end, then work our way back to the front, and then wind up at the end again. I think it works well. But here it says in verse 20 of that third chapter now to him who is able Hmm. Hmm. to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forever. Amen. And so there we we get an idea of just how great, how magnificent, how wonderful that power is for those who choose to exercise that power. And I think there are many people who over many years kind of lose sight of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to that day you got saved. Go back to the week or the month after that. Just imagine what it was like for you to discover that there was a power working in you that was beyond beyond anything you could have ever thought or asked. And it's been there, and it remains there. It doesn't go away. That power is there to prepare, to equip, to enable us to do that which is the will of the Father in the lives of His children. Well, that's a pretty neat way to live. And there were things that, that Paul wanted the church there in Ephesus to understand, and he wanted every church in every generation to understand. And this prayer is a prayer asking that that power would come into our lives and be renewed in our lives day by day. And we would see and understand just how blessed we are, how we live by grace and by faith and by love and those things that identify us as believers as well as the church. So in order to understand this, we're going to go back to verse 1 of our text this morning, verse 14. And Paul begins this prayer for this reason, he says. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why was he bowing his knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, this is one of the few times in in Paul's writings that he gives superiority and supremacy and and, and, and all that, that really ought to matter in our lives, not just to the Holy Spirit and not just to the Son, but also to the Father. And so, it's for that reason that he has knelt in prayer, praying for believers, praying for the church, and praying for, as that... Uh, Verse 21 said, praying that to him, to the Father, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forever. It is not something that we can cease to do if we expect to live in the midst of that power. We're not all perfect. And sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we kind of, in our own minds and hearts, kind of grow weary of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We neglect the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we don't get the fullness of God that is in this power that has come within us. And so Paul is praying for the church there for this reason. Now, when you ask, well, what was the reason that he was bowing his knees before the Father? Well, it's pretty easy to understand if you just turn back to the beginning of chapter 3. Paul says this, and just listen. It really starts in verse uh, 3 of chapter 3. How that by revelation... God made known to me the mystery. The mystery. Now we all know what a mystery is. It is something that that uh, we become fascinated by. We think on, we wonder about. It's something that brings curiosity. Into most of our lives that's why these uh, mystery novels are so uh, they just capture people's hearts and minds and so Paul oftentimes refers to this gospel and this reason for praying uh, as a mystery as he does here and there he says how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already by which when you read, you may understand. You see, there's something to be understood about this mystery. If we couldn't begin to get a little clue along the way, you know, as we read in a mystery novel, we'd throw the thing in the trash. Somehow we've got to believe that that book is working us through this incredible mystery that we're going to determine on the last chapter or maybe the last page. It's true in some movies, but it's also true in your life. You see, there's a mystery out there that's not going to be fully determined until the last page of the last chapter to the last sentence that God speaks to us as his children. And we begin to reflect back that this power works within us. And has always been available to us. And how often we just kind of failed to understand it. You know, Paul was big on understanding. And and, and so there are many things we have to understand. So he says, when you read, you may understand My knowledge in the mystery of Christ, again, he quotes it again, which in in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. Hey, listen, until Jesus Christ (coughs) came into this world, this mystery was not known. It was not known by the prophets throughout the Old Testament. It was not known by those who were inspired to read or to write. These words of the Old Testament, oh, it was needful, but it never solved the true purpose for which God was working. And that purpose had to be fulfilled before that power could work within us. And so how has it come that that we have this power working within us? Paul says, It was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. For what reason? For what reason has that Spirit been revealed to us? That the Gentiles, any Gentiles in here by the way? We're all Gentiles. That the Gentiles might be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It's when people respond to the reality of the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit just moves in from that moment on And he says, listen, this power that I am extending to you will be able to work exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever think or that you could ever ask. I like that power, don't you? Aren't you glad it's available to you? Aren't you glad it's not still a mystery? Aren't you glad that we understand the the purpose of it and how we receive that Holy Spirit? We receive it by being believers in the gospel. And that becomes the most important thing in our lives because it's only then that we begin to understand the fullness of God and how full our lives are of God. No matter how often we grow neglectful and how often we find ourselves disappointing to God, listen, that power just continues to work. It just continues to rise up inside of us in those moments when we recognize What it's all about, as Paul would say, it's about Jesus. It's about believing that Jesus died for you. It's about believing that he forgave your sins. It's about believing that he was raised from the dead. It's about believing that he can give you eternal life. It's about all of those things. And not only eternal life, but an abundant life. You can live abundantly in this world, as awful as it is. It was awful in Paul's day. And so, we see that this is the reason. And back to verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen to this. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What does the Father call us? Children. That's exactly right. Children. You know, Paul uh, did a little explanation of that back over in Romans chapter 8 when he said this. Just, Just listen for a second. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. No spirit, no family. You're not a child, not a child of the Father. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of adoption by whom we as believers cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, I love you, I thank you, I praise you, I glorify you because what you have done in my life through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. I just tacked that on at the end. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage, of fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out of father. And the Spirit himself, now listen, you wonder where this power was coming from? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed the children of God. Don't live beneath that privilege. For goodness sake, it was a privilege that was bought with an awful price. And if we are children, then we're heirs and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, and we shall, that we may be glorified together. And I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall one day be revealed in us. He's beginning to reveal the mystery (laughs) A mystery that before Jesus came to the world nobody understood. That it had been God's plan all along since the very beginning of time. Now you say, Preacher, are you sure of this? Yes, I'm sure because it's in God's Word. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth, verse 15 there, heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory and be strengthened with might through His Spirit an inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. You know, that was God's desire. But he took him a long time. It took him a long time for this revelation all the way back to Adam and Eve and then to to uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and and then on to the prophets and to J- David and and all of the promises and and everything we know from the p- pages of the Old stru- old. Testament and how God responded to His people and what the result was when the people of God rejected that blessing that He had given to them as His chosen people and won't be more part of that. He did it over and over again. Hey, listen. Had they had what we have, it would have been awfully more difficult for them to have rejected what the promises of God truly are. They receive the promises of God through the prophets. We receive the promises of God through the Holy Spirit. And there is a difference between those two things. He says here, and just listen to what he says. The whole family of heaven and earth is named, that heaven and earth is named. Literally from the very beginning. That was God's plan. When he created the heavens, and the earth and he says here he says here that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory you know paul would write there in the book of philippians you know i will meet all of your needs all of your needs because I'm going to provide them for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to supply those things that we will need to live out this mystery in a very real and a very powerful way. And so, according to the riches of glory, to be strengthened with might, power, power, strengthened with might you're not in this battle alone he is going to strengthen you he is going to give you that power not as a prophet out there performing miracles but he's going to give you that power working within you communicating that which has for centuries and centuries been a mystery to the world that the world simply did not understand. But oh my goodness how we understood when the Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost came. It was then that the church and the believers began to understand very clearly just how powerful that gospel could be. And so he strengthens us with might through his Spirit. Where? In the inner man. And when we are strengthened and empowered through the inner man, we will inevitably speak the name of Jesus. Golly. I just think about looking back across my life, my goodness. (laughs) Where have I spoken the name of Jesus? how many people have I spoken it to? What kind of people? All kinds of people. Rich, poor, men, women, different nationalities. Anybody who was open to hearing me speak the name of Jesus and speak the gospel to them, I just spoke it for 42 years. Now, you might say, you sure are tooting your horn this morning. I'm not tooting my horn. I'm tooting God's horn. He gets the glory. He gets all of the glory. Not me, not you, but God gets the glory for what he did, how he fulfilled that mystery that had come to us down through the ages, even from the beginning of time, and he accomplished it through the death of his own son. Why? Because it had to come through his spirit. In the inner man. Now, what was the first thing or the last thing that Jesus told his disciples? Listen, I'm gonna be leaving here. (laughs) I'm going back to the Father, but I'm going to send you something that is far more effective for you than me. And what was that? There it is. Paul tells us that the spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in in your hearts through faith. I can't look into my heart. I cannot know my heart. What was it Jeremiah said? Uh, the, 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 The heart is a wicked thing. Who can know it? Who can know even their own heart? Christ can know it. And he gives us strength. And he has come in the power of the Spirit, in the inner man, into our hearts. And it comes only by faith. You can't explain that mystery to anybody else. You really can't fully explain what happened to you on the day of your salvation to somebody who has no idea hardly what the Word of God says. It doesn't come through us. Faith comes by hearing him by the Word of God. Listen, you got to get in the book and you got to understand it. You got to let people like Paul explain it. And then all of a sudden, you realize it's been around 42 years. (laughs) Praise God for it. And every time it works. And it's been truth in my life for 42 years. And I hope it'll be there when I step through the gates in glory. And that's what Paul's saying. I I want you to understand this that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you then, this is where it gets real. That you being rooted and grounded in love. If you don't love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you don't love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Then the chances are you're not going to understand the mystery that Paul is talking about here. And why do I say that? He says that you being rooted and grounded in love may, may, may be able to comprehend with All of the saints, what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height. Now, he just assumes we know how to make that application. And that is an application that is made to love. He says this, that, that, that you will have the love which is possessed by all of the saints all of the saints who have come to an understanding of the reality of the gospel. And it is wide because it encompasses so many people. It is long because it results in celebrating and glorifying God in eternity. It is depth. It is deep. Sometimes people say, oh, it's a little too deep for me. I don't think I'd be interested in that. You better get interested in that. You better try to understand the mystery of the gospel. You better understand what that power is working within you that you might be able to accomplish all the things that God desires for you. And the height. You know where it's going to end? Right up there. I don't know how far it is to heaven. It doesn't really bother me how far. It might not be any further than the the top of the steeple. I don't know. I just know. I'm going to be there one day. And it all began because I love God. And I love people. And I, like Paul, have been determined across 42 years to help people understand that. To comprehend that. To understand that it's a revelation of God. And that God then takes words that I might speak or words that you might speak. And and, and he... He he allows that power to work within us. That's how the church grows. That is the very very catalyst of who the church is. And so he says that, and then he says, after he says, you know, all the saints have this, uh, this love and and and, and what is the width, and what is the length, and what is the depth, and what is the height? To know the love of Christ, to know it. (laughs) How much did you love Jesus Christ that day you got saved? Whoo, Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. I love Jesus Christ. I've been hearing about Jesus Christ all my life, but I didn't have any real idea who he was, and I didn't love him very much because he got in the way of a lot of things I wanted to do. But I loved him that night. And I've been loving him ever since. It's love. It's loving people with the love by which Christ has loved us. To know the love of Christ. Which surpasses knowledge. Now if you could either know Christ. Christ. Or you could be the smartest person in America <coughs> and get your education at somewhere like MIT, where you can't even read those textbooks. You can't even understand it. But they say, oh, we understand that. We understand those textbooks. These mathematicians. Oh, we understand that. Biology or biology. Oh, we understand how people were made. We even understand evolution. Hey, that kind of knowledge does not compare to the knowledge of the love of Christ. And it never will. Hey, listen, the church is so blessed because this knowledge has been revealed to us and we have comprehended it. We are have, as it says, we are able to comprehend it and to know the love of Christ which Surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's a constant in the lives of many people. And you recognize it. I recognize it in you. I hope you recognize it in me. And that's the fullness of God. Nothing is more important than the fullness of God. Nothing is important, more important than knowing God in the person of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Nothing could be more important. I wouldn't swap it for anything. Nothing in this world would I swap it for, even my life. Man, if I had to, if I had to blaspheme the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, listen, that'd be my last act on this earth. Because <laughs> I wouldn't do it. because I know the love of Christ and I know that he loved me he died for me and he has blessed my life and has worked his power within me across all of those years and you see that's the way you've got to come to and as believers that's where he is that's what he's trying to do to the Ephesians there you know he's trying to get them to understand what the fullness of God is all about so We're back to where we began. Now, to God, that previous verse ends with the fullness of God, so I assume Him means God, you know. Now, to Him who is able, let me tell you, God is able. God is able to do whatever He wants to do, whenever He wants to do it, however He wants to do it. God is able. If God be for us, who can be against us? Man, I'm glad God's on my side. I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, to him who is able to do, hey, God's going to do some things. You know, this is just not paperwork we're doing here. It's not. God is going to do some things in your life because that's what the mystery of the gospel says. It's going to be the power of God working in you. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or that we think. You want God to do something like that in your life? I mean, really, genuinely. Would you just like the fullness of God to just invade every part of your heart and your mind and to love unconditionally like Jesus loved and like God loved? Would you like that to happen? God can do it. And it's beyond anything I could ever think or ask. I'll go to my grave believing that. That he has done exceedingly, abundantly more in my life than I ever knew how to ask or that I ever dreamed about. This is not a journey toward ambition. This is not a journey toward intellect. It is not a journey toward getting wealthy. It is a journey coming to learn and to know the fullness of God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according, according to what? Come on, we've been here for a long time this morning. According... To the power that works in us. If you don't have the power, God's not going to be able to work in you like he wants to work. Now, I'm not going to say he's not going to save you. I'm just telling you he's not going to be able to work in you like he wants to work in you. Unless you experience the fullness of God, primarily directed by the power of the Holy Spirit in the Word of Scripture. You'll see that in a second. According to the power that works in us when i read that this week and of course i oh i love this passage i love this i i preach revivals some of the greatest prayers in scripture and you know this is always going to be one it's always going to be right at the top of the list according to the power that works in us to him be glory where in the church that's where Well, if we're not going to give him glory here, we sure are not going to give him glory out there in the streets of this ugly world. I'll promise you that. We got to give him glory here. And as that power works in us, to him, to God, be the glory. Somebody ought to write a song about that, Kevin. Think so? To God be the glory for all the things he has what? Done. That's what it said. Oh goodness, the one who is able to do to him be the glory for all that he has done. And my goodness, we wouldn't be here today if he hadn't done some pretty amazing things in our lives. It would not have happened. So glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations. We may be the last generation, we may not. We don't know. But because we're part of the body of Christ the church, we should give glory unto Him. And it should be passed on from generation to generation. And the truth is, we've not done a very good job as parents or grandparents in terms of passing that on to all of the generations that have followed. But God is still able. And God can do in your heart and life exactly what He wants to do. And then you can begin to walk in the revelation, in the mystery that so many people have no idea about how the story's gonna end. But oh my goodness, it ends. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or ask. Amen. What do we say, Amen? Meant it's complete, it's said when there is affirmation of the truth, and what Paul was praying was the truth because of the power that worked in him to do all that God did through his life. What a journey. Let's pray. Lord, we have a need to understand. We have a need to comprehend. We have a need to lay hold of that which is the truth, to affirm that truth in our lives, at least to give it a a shot at least to put our faith in Jesus Christ, at least to commit our lives publicly to follow Him, and then to watch what He does, not what we do. Somehow when we got saved, uh, certain things were expected of us. And they weren't expected of of us by God. Uh, They were expected of us by others, whether it was parents, whether it was grandparents, whether it was the the church or whatever and all of those things are good because it passes on from generation to generation but the expectation comes from you father it comes from you into the heart and life of of someone who can't even comprehend the height the length the width the depth of the kind of love that it took To save sinners like us. And the thousands and thousands of years. And generation after generation. To complete this mystery. And it is complete now. And in this brief prayer. Paul is praying. For each and every one of us. To understand that. And to lay hold of that that we might be prepared to give glory to him this day and every day forever and ever and ever. Amen. And all he's asking us is to say yes to his fullness in our lives. We make this prayer in the name of his son, Jesus Christ through the power that works within us. Amen.